Well, let's do. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus to build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus in a time that our world needs it most. And uh, I'm Pastor here. I'm glad that you guys are with us today as we're continuing our Life Saver series, Finding God's Help in Times of Crisis, like today. And uh, today we get to talk about how we're finding God's help in times of a very unique kind of crisis, which is death. And uh, so that's an important one for us to be able to handle. And so it's one of our biggest fears we know in culture and in life. Um, and I think when death comes into our lives, it can really rattle, can really shake us. And that's normal, right? It was not part of the original design. And uh, because of that, it does feel uncomfortable. There's a strangeness about it, an alienness about death, and a mystery to it. And it can lead to depression, addiction, doubt, cynicism, all those types of things. And so it, there's a side of death that can be very destructive in our lives, but also there's a side that can also be very, very sanctifying, very good, that death can also help us cling to hope. It can make us live our lives with purpose, right? It, it can help us deepen our faith. Uh, it's uh, something that can be very clarifying at the same time. And so the Bible really does. It talks about death quite a bit, and it leads us to a lot of comfort, a lot of assurance. So that way it drives us to the good things and keeps us from that destruction. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. Of course, though, we want to go to our memory verse as this becomes, again, a, uh, a great foundation for us to gain these truths of God, to be able to handle life's crisis. This reminder from the prophet Nahum, the Lord is good. And he is a refuge in times of trouble and that God cares for those who trust in him. And how great is that it even includes death in this. So uh, before we get in the message, just remind ourselves of this. Just say it a few times with us. If you're first time with us, don't worry about that. Just to say it a couple times and pretty soon God's word begins to stick upon your heart and your mind. So here we go. Say it. Three, two, one. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Again, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Let's test ourselves. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Nahum 1.7. Wonderful. If you are still memorizing that and setting that to your heart on your connection card, there is that Bible memory verse uh, card there you can just per, it's perforated just tear that off and take it with you and uh, what a great reminder that God is good and he is our refuge and so if you have your Bibles we're going to go to this great refuge we're going to take some of the the uh, myth out of death as so we can sometimes we're afraid of things we don't understand and so book of Thessalonians first Thessalonians talks a little about that and we're going to be in chapter four today and the, one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter and it was writing it to a church, Thessalonica, that was uh, in the throes of great persecution. And so it was a time of great crisis for that church, for sure, uh, as the believers were being executed for their faith. There was a lot of discussion about, uh, you know, what are we going to do, right? And what happens to our friends and, and uh, our our brothers and sisters in faith who have been killed. And then also great fear for people's selves, like what happens for us if we end up getting caught and executed uh, because of our faith. And so it was a time of great crisis. And uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and you'll see in chapter 4 how he addresses this right away, starting in verse 13, which is where we're going to be. As he starts, he says, Brothers and sisters, 
We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's will, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I love how that passage really goes into talking about directly, going into the mystery, peering into it. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. God doesn't want us to be uninformed. He doesn't want us to, to stare death in the face and worry because it's some kind of unknown. And so he peels back the curtain a little bit and says, yeah, it's there. It's an enemy, but it's defeated. And it's there. And, and also that there is an encouragement on the other side of it. But in this, it's also, I think it's, it's important to see that Paul doesn't say, don't mourn. He doesn't say, it's going to be okay, so just cheer up, right? He says, you can grieve, just don't grieve like those who don't have hope. Don't live our lives in this, this fear of what might come next. We know what comes next, and we know we can be okay. And so how does this passage teach us, help us to defeat the fear of death, the, the crisis of death when it comes into our lives. Well, through this series, we've been going through and talking about these different, we call lifesavers or biblical principles we see applied in God's word as, as uh, when people of God are being put in times of crisis. And so each one of these, it's amazing as you'll see, has they kind of build on each other and they help us handle crisis. And so when we talk about death, we go back to the very first week. And remember, one of the lifesavers that we find in God's word is that we don't have to be afraid. Right? I, he says in there, I'm writing this to you so you don't, you're not panicked. So you're not grieving like those who don't have hope. That God doesn't want us to live our lives in this state of fear. The first thing we understand is that God is bigger than death. It's okay. It's bad. It's there. It's something that, that's in this world. It's, we're not supposed to enjoy it. It is an enemy. But we don't have to be afraid. And just living without that fear is massive, isn't it? And why do we not have fear? Because we know that Christ rose again from the dead. And we know also that those of us who are in Christ will raise again. That's why. That it's not the end. And so we don't have to be afraid. And as we're not afraid, we also reminded then the next thing is that we can stand firm then. In the face of death, oftentimes uh, uh, when we are afraid of something, we, we fight or flight. That's what God designed us to do. And I think oftentimes in our lives then we get put into an uncomfortable situation we're, we're countered by a situation that's uncomfortable for us and the thought is for us to just run away right to ignore it or to or to, to try to put it in the back of our minds to to just kind of get away from that right or to fight against it but i think instead of that when it comes to death the christian for us we need to stand firm that one we don't embrace death it's an enemy but we also don't run from it even the thoughts in our own minds, if you yourself struggle with this fear of death, I think that's one of those great things that God gives you the power and the strength to confront it. 
And it leads us back into the faith. It reminds us the reality that Christ really is God. He really did come. This is not some hocus-pocus belief that Jesus is real. He was a historical figure, a God put on real flesh and died on a real cross to save for our very real sins. And he very real, he very really, very in, in reality, rose again and was seen by hundreds of people and walked around that city for 40 days just to make sure that us dense people wouldn't doubt it. And if that wasn't enough, he's given us the incredible gift of his Holy Spirit, which evidences himself in our own lives through the many gifts that he gives us, the sanctifying work that he does in our lives. Talk to any Christian and you will hear a story of a changed life that only God could do. And we remember that. And we recognize that our God is powerful. And he came to save us. And one of the chief things he came to save us from was death. And that separation that it brings us. And so we don't have to be afraid. We can face the fear. And this allows us then to face grief as well as face our own mortality. It doesn't mean we have to like it, but it means we don't have to run away from it. That we can lean into God. And that's our next lifesaver is that we expect God when death comes. We don't try to predict him. Remember that great message that, that Pastor Zach preached a couple weeks ago? About Jesus walking the wall. You never know how Jesus is going to show up. You just know that he will. So whether you are facing grief and it is completely difficult and it seems overwhelming at the time, know your God has not left you there alone. You know that he has given you the ability each day the grace to make it. He is healing your heart in the midst of this. He is at work. You don't know how he's going to show up, but know that he will. And know this also, that when we face our final breath, for those of us who are in Christ, I don't know what it's going to look like because God opens up that door to heaven for me. I mean, I, I'm, I've got lots of ideas, right? I have no idea. I just know that Jesus is going to be there. I know that he's going to carry me home, that there's not one step of the way I shall be alone in the midst of it. For he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, and he is with us. So we expect God. We expect God in the midst of it, in the brokenness, in our greatest darkness. We expect that he's there, right? We don't try to predict what he's going to do or how he's going to show up, but we know that he will be because he is faithful. And so as we face death and our fear of it and grief, we keep our eyes on Jesus. Right? It's the reason that we don't have fear in death. That's what this passage says. I don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. Why? Because we know Christ came and he died and he rose again. That's why. Death is bigger than humanity, but it is so tiny compared to the God of life. And so let us keep our eyes on Christ. When death comes, like in times like a pandemic, can we keep our eyes on Jesus' God's responsibility like we talked last week? We don't wait for somebody else to step up. You know that in our church that we have people that right now are grieving? And you know it's not just the first year that a person grieves a loss. Sometimes it lasts a long time. And it's not good for us as Christians to just say, well, somebody else is going to care for them. If you know a person that's grieving, take responsibility. You take responsibility to go and be a, care, a, a love to them, a, a, a sign of light for them, a, a reminder that they're not alone. Send them a note, a card. Give them a hug. Ask them how they're doing, even though you know it's horrible, right? Take responsibility. But I think also for ourselves, we need to take responsibility. You know, if we are in Christ, then I think that we, we've taken some responsibility for our own death. We, we've got the best 
possible assurance for our own well-being. That's the best possible thing you can do is come to Christ. But if you're not in Christ, recognize the peril that you're in and that you don't need to be there. It's nobody else is going to, to bring you to Jesus. You have to come. You have to make that decision to follow him as Lord and Savior. Take responsibility. There's not going to be a test at the end where Jesus says, how many people of mine did you know? He's going to say, did you know me? So get to know him. Take responsibility. Now is the time. And as we do that, we cling to hope. Right? That's, that's what we find in this passage. It's one of those lifesavers that we find here that applies in a lot of other areas, but directly when it deals to death, look what Paul says there. He says, I don't want you to be like those who grieve with no hope. When death comes, we cling to hope. And what is hope? Is it just like this wishful idea, I hope that God's going to show up? Maybe. No, that is not biblical hope. Biblical hope, the hope we find in Scripture is an assurance, a confident assurance that something is going to happen. It's like a done deal, but it just have to get to the other side of it, right? It's like when you go to the grocery store and you have all of your wonderful groceries and you send them across that magic conveyor belt and the person beeps them into, into those little baggies, right, and puts them on the other side and you pay, right, and it's already paid for, then you hope they're going to give you the receipt so you can leave, right? They haven't done it yet, but it's going to happen, right? That's what's happened for us. Christ purchased our salvation. And not just that. Just want you to think about this one. He says, I want you to grieve like those who have no hope. I want you to know what's going to happen. That those who are dead in Christ, they're not dead. And they're going first to see him in the air, right? They're, it's not like they're missing out. And we get to see them again. And we get to be joined together with them again, which means you're going to know them. doesn't mean like you go to heaven, you have like heavenly amnesia, right? You, you know the, who God is, and you know your loved ones, and they are there. And there's no more goodbyes. Other places in Scripture, it says them like we trade these, these bodies of ours. They're like tents, and we trade them for like mansions. Like our new bodies, our glorified bodies are going to be awesome, right? And we're going to be in a place where God himself, Jesus himself, is preparing a place for you and for me. And talk about how perfect that's going to be. It took him six days to create a universe. He's been gone for like 2,000 years. It's going to be awesome. And the moment it's ready, he will come back. And so we cling to this hope to know that it's not the end, to know that in anything it's really an upgrade. But while we're in this life, while he has us here, like Paul said, to die is gain, but to live is Christ. He's got work for us to do. So by all means, let us do it. Let's live this life with great hope and knows that God, he not only overrode death, right? He, he defeated death, but he gives us purpose through it. First, our second Corinthians chapter five, it says, we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed. And I love what it says we know that, right? We know that it's in there. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Remind ourselves of this truth regularly, that this world really isn't our home. How many times in Scripture does it have to tell us we're aliens here, we're not to love the world, right? This is not what it's about. This is the training ground. This, this is all the stuff. We, we are not meant for this forever. We are children of heaven. And so there's a great exchange coming someday for each one of us that are in Christ, a great exchange. Something that we can look forward to with gladness and be like, yes, 
I don't think there's anybody who ever got to heaven that said, mm, I wish I could go back. It's just not the way it is. Like what's before us is amazing. But let us have our hearts and our compassion turn to those who do not have that assurance yet. And for those who struggle, oftentimes then we still have the pain, and so it leads to anger, frustration. Oftentimes you just feel irritable, upset. Uh, people who are grieving have moments or days or sometimes months where they just have this like underlying rage. Why? <laughs> they don't know. They snap at people, all that kind of stuff. It's part of the healing process. And after the anger wears off, because anger can only last so long, the sadness is still there. And that's usually what the anger is there. It's just kind of that, it's anger plus, you know, extra hormones, right? But the sadness is still there. And then you have these moments of just, gr just weeping, just feeling so sad. And, you know, we it's interesting, and I, I, I find so much comfort in Scripture where I find that even Jesus himself, God himself, went through all of that, right? He even wept as he saw his, his friend in his grave, Lazarus. There's this moment of sadness. But at the end of the other side of that, we come to a point of acceptance. This, that the, the wound is there, right? But it's a scar now. The pain isn't there. The memories are there. I accept that it happens and I can move on. And it, oftentimes the grief doesn't lead you at that point, at a point where you're saying, well, this is good, but at least I know that, that it's okay. And then you move on in life, your energy comes back, your mood comes up, right? But there's one more step that's so important, that's meaning. And this is only a step that you arrive at if you choose to. And I believe this is a step that, that God tells us to in this same passage here. Is that there's a reason for all of this. That there's, when, when our loved ones pass on and we'll meet them with the Lord in the air, this is the purpose. God is redeeming us, right? There's purpose and meaning. And we can find meaning in a person's life. If they're a believer, then we can find meaning in that. Say, I want to go see them again, right? I want to finish the race like they finished the race. I want to be able to be faithful like they were faithful, right? Pick those things up. If it was an unbeliever, oftentimes there's still a lot of redeemable things that you find in an unbeliever's life. Maybe they were a kind person. Maybe they were a person that gave you an opportunity to forgive a lot, right? Maybe it's a person that helped you grow. Find purpose and meaning. There's meaning in everybody's life. We have to arrive at that purposely. And the reason we can do that is because we know there's a God who made us, and he is a God that has given purpose to all things, right? And so we find that meaning. And with that meaning, it helps us to, uh, to not just survive grief, but I think to grow from it. And one of the things that can help us do that is that we need to connect with the church. And you see that in this passage. You know that Paul didn't tell the church when it was under great, I mean, there was a, a high risk of death by being a Christian, right? It was, you know, almost contagious that if you were a Christian, you become a believer, and then the Romans come kill you, right? It had a high mortality rate, this faith of ours. And Paul didn't say, be safe, just stay home for a while until the authorities go away. Right? He didn't say that. He said, lean into your faith. Let's remind ourselves of the truth of this, that our God is bigger not just in death but in all things. Connect with the church. Look what he says here. He says, I, I don't want you to grieve like this, but I want you to encourage one another all the more with these words. We're supposed to encourage each other. You can't do that if there is not in each other. And who is the each other? The church. This is the church of Thessalonica this letter was written to, not the individual believers of Thessalonica, the church. That we come together and we help each other in community through difficult times. 
So we're not supposed to face death alone, none of us. In our own lives, we don't face death alone. Christ will meet us there. But also, we're not supposed to face death alone in our grief. We're not supposed to be by ourselves as we go through this difficult time. Or even as we face the fear of a pandemic, don't do that by yourself. The media will scare you to death. But our God gives us courage to face it and to say it's okay, that he is still powerful. He's got purpose for me. And I can be careful, but I don't have to be panicked. And we do that when we remind each other. You see, none of us are supposed to face death alone because none of us were designed to face life alone. Right? We are meant for the church. It says so many times in the scripture that we're the body of Christ, that each of us are a part of that, that God specially crafted you to fit in somewhere to do something essential, just like all the organs of your body. God crafted and connected you to do something essential, right? All those, those, those organs do something important. Even your appendix, I suppose, right? But that's part of it. God made us for this life together, life together. And we remind ourselves that death is just, an, it's just a transition of that life together that we have in Christ. And we're meant for church. See, in the church, we find hope. We find encouragement. This world can make us forget about the promises of God very quickly, enamor us of all these other things, but it can, we get it caught up in the panic of, of the pagans, and sometimes it causes, it infects our own hearts. In the church, we were reminded again that we are part of something different, that our God is something different, that he is holy and he is good, and he is a refuge in times of trouble, that our God truly does care for those who trust in him. And so in the church, we receive grace and we receive help, not just to, to grieve, but also to face our own mortality, to grow closer to God, we receive the power to defeat death in a very real way in the church. And because we have community here, we're in it together. And so the question is, what if I'm not part of a church? Right? Because for a lot of Christians, that is a reality. Right? They still have Christ, but you don't have the body of Christ. And so why would you want just to have the Spirit of God without the body of Christ? There's a lot of power in a body. Well, here's the good news. That you can be part of the body of Christ. It's, it's something that God invites you into. He made you for it. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are meant not just to be part of the universal body of Christ, but a very local body of Christ, a body of believers that does something, that helps each other and grows together, and as everybody does our own special work, that says the whole body is healthy and growing and filled with love. Our world needs the body of Christ, it needs to minister to, this, to our neighbors and our community and our culture in a time such like this. This has been a year of chaos. And where is Christ in the midst of this? He's here. And so we need to be part of it. And what if you are not a believer? Know this, that Jesus is your lifesaver. And, and I know that, I'll say that every week, but it's, I could say that every single day, it is so true. None of us could face death if it wasn't for Christ. All of us have sinned. All of us have separated ourselves from God. Every one of us is unworthy. All of us, if we died on our own, we'd be powerless to save ourselves. It'd be like being dropped in the middle of the ocean. You can only go so far in your own steam. But what we couldn't do, Christ did. God came to rescue us. He came to rescue you and me. Not just from death, but from the depravity of the lives that led us to it as well. And how are you saved? Well, Jesus came, he did the hard work. And you can be saved and are saved by God's grace simply through faith. 
And that faith is in Christ Jesus as your Lord, trusting that he truly is God and your Savior. And that faith has got to be, it, it, there are ways that God wants us to exercise that faith because faith is like, what is it? It's kind of a nebulous thing. Just believe. Just believe. It's a trust in him. It's what belief is. It's a mental ascent. It's a trusting of God with, with the will of the mind, even if you have doubts. And you should have doubts because you haven't seen God yet. But we're going to trust him. The evidence is enough to say, God, I need you, and you're there. I'm going to believe you. But there's faith that God wants us to express in confession. That's identifying with him. It's saying, I'm with Jesus. He's my Lord. There's a faith that, that's demonstrated in our repentance. It's changing how we live to stop living lives. Amen. Um, if you would take out that connection card and, and turn it to the back, there's a few things you can commit to this week. Uh, the first thing you can do is memorize that memory verse that we've been going over, Nahum 1-7, and uh, to put that on your heart, take that off your connection card and put it in your pocket or uh, wallet, wherever you're going to look at it this week. Um, and then read First Thessalonians 4, uh, what we went over today. Um, just read through that whole passage as well. And then thirdly, cling to hope. As we talked about this morning, as we're going to sing about now, uh, God, Christ is our living hope, uh, even in death. Um, he is there for us in every circumstance. And then fourthly, join uh, the membership class. Um, take that step. Get connected. Uh, Christ calls us to do life together in the body. And uh, so uh, check that off if you would be interested in joining the membership class. We will reach out to you. Um, if you are interested and make sure you we get signed up for that. So let's stand. We're gonna we're gonna worship one last time.